92.3 and AM 16.20. Welcome to Let's Go Pensacola. I am your host, Julio Diaz. Happy Boxing Day to you. I hope you had a great Christmas yesterday. Uh, I'm, I'm going to forewarn you uh, as we get into our discussion today. I, I'm talking right now like it's uh, like it's Saturday afternoon, but we did pre-record the show for the holidays. So uh, that, that'll probably come into the conversation a little later, which is why I, I bring it up. Normally, I would just let you guys think that I'm, I'm talking to you live, but today, but today we are uh, recording earlier in the week because of the holidays. Uh, but uh, the reason I say that is because we are going to be talking today. This is actually the, my last show of 2020. So uh, we're going to kind of wrap up the year in pop culture and entertainment. And I've got two of my favorite guests on the line with me today to do that. Uh, first of all, uh, joining me, he is the program director for Pensacon, and he is an award-winning filmmaker, screenwriter, and director. Steve Wise. Hey, Julio. How are you doing? Hey, I'm doing Merry well, Christmas. Steve. Merry, Merry Christmas to you, too. And, uh, and also joining us from the Movies Are Terrible channel on YouTube. And uh, not an award winner, but he's an award winner in our hearts. Jeremy Branch. I will take that. I will take that times two, and I will hold it against you the next time you criticize me, I will say. But I am an award winner, Julio, <laughs> in your heart. <laughs> Thanks for having me. Merry Christmas to both of you. We're, we're, we're all winners, aren't we? Yeah, yeah, sure. yeah. We'll 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 say that anyway, because uh, we're coming up. Well, we sur- we survived twenty twenty, so that makes us winners. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say we're coming right. we're coming up on the end of 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 not such a winner year. Unfortunately, uh, this has been, uh, you know, I mean, I, I I can't say it's been all totally terrible for me, uh, but in general for the world, I would say this is a. Uh, been maybe the worst year of my lifetime. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's just uh, you know uh, I, I, the jokes that have been going on all year, like uh, oh uh, you know Billy Joel would have had to write a whole new. A whole... We didn't start the fire for just 2020. That like you know you couldn't get all of 2020 into into one verse if we didn't start the fire. You'd have to write a whole new song. You know, there's been th- th- things like that have been going on all year. And uh, I mean, that's kind of where I wanted to start on this because we are recapping the year and that's where you got to start when you're talking about this year, even though we got through uh, two and a half ish months before this really started uh, hugely impacting our lives the way it has. uh, It it has thrown a monkey wrench into the entire year and not just for, you know, not just for the serious reasons that we, you know, we hear about on the news every day, of course, you know. Millions of people have been infected with this pandemic, uh, hundreds of thousands dead in the U.S. and and worldwide. So, you know, it, it, I know what I'm going to say next kind of diminishes that, but, you know, I don't want to lose sight of that. But at the same time, it's also completely changed the way we look at and consume pop culture and entertainment in that mm-hmm. uh, there have been no concerts really of, of any note since uh, – since about March or so, about mid-March, there's been no big gatherings. Movie theaters were closed for most of the year. Uh, they're open back up now in a lot of places, including here in our, on our Gulf Coast, but uh, with very limited attendance and people not going to them. Uh, it has you know, elevated the, the 
the streaming services to to new heights because everybody's only watching stuff at home. It has changed the production of films. It's changed the production of television. Uh, and and I, so, I mean, I, I kind of wanted to spend the first segment talking about that. And, and Steve, I feel like you would have a good perspective on the pr- production side of that because you you as a mm-hmm. filmmaker know what goes into making a film and how this would provide some additional challenges. So uh, what, what have you noticed about this and what has it put off on the calendar that for you that you've been waiting for that you haven't seen? Well, uh, just to answer that last question, um, you know, <laughs> there were a lot of big movies that were supposed to be out this year that were delayed. Um, you know, like for instance, Wonder Woman 1984, which, uh, you know, We'll, I'm sure we'll be talking about uh, the distribution of that, yeah, uh, see here, that here shortly. That's why I brought but, up that we're pre-recording this. For those folks that are listening yeah. on, on uh, December 26th, you can actually watch it now because it's in theaters now and it's on HBO Max now as of yesterday. Uh, but we have, being three people that would have been likely to see it as soon as it has come out, as we're talking yeah. right now, have not seen it yet. So that's why that was the main reason I brought that up at the beginning of the show. But you have, like, so many big movies that just were not released this year. You know, there were no Marvel movies released this year. Yeah. That in and of itself is is insane. There's basically no Marvel content this year other than, other than the comics. Which I can understand the, um, the studios not wanting to release their big tentpole movies when nobody's going to see the theater, you know, going to the theater to see movies because, you know, it's just, it's a waste of money basically because they've spent hundreds of millions of dollars to produce and market these films only for zero return, basically. So it, you know, they, they have to kind of figure out what's in the best interest for themselves as a studio, but also per project. Because like Disney releasing Mulan on Disney Plus, but where you had to pay an extra $30 to watch it initially, that was a testing ground. You know, they didn't know if that would work or not. And, from what it looks like, they're not replicating that particular business model. And other, you know, you had like, um, <clears throat> you know, HBO um, that, um, you know, where the Warner Brothers movies are going to be released all in 2020, both in the theater and on HBO Max simultaneously. That caused a lot of ripple effects in the, <laughs> in the film industry. Yes, it did. And, you know, so it's just like, you know, people they don't know what they're doing. Basically they're just, they're trying, they're grasping at straws. They're trying to, um, different things to see what sticks and what works. Well, but, and it's you interesting, know, you know, you mentioned the Disney plus thing. We, we also got, uh, as of yesterday, as of Christmas day, soul, the new Pixar movie, uh, dropped yeah. on Disney plus for free. That's something that would have been a theatrical release. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then they are going back to that Mulan model next year for, uh, Raya and the last dragon, which is the next Disney animation film. Uh, and I'm kind of surprised by that. And I, I do have to kind of wonder, is there some reason they're only doing this with Asian themed movies at Disney? <laughs> Good question. I, I mean, I mean, I, I don't get that at all, but, uh, but I wanted you know, dig into, into that a little bit. Uh, Jeremy, you know, uh, the, the whole Disney plus thing, the, the HBO max thing, how is this affecting how you consume movies? Well, it's, it's an interesting situation where all of the quote unquote event movies are, fairly events 
anymore. I mean, at this point, there is no event. So that kind of concept is, is evolving and changing. When you look at uh, the roster of films that are being released on HBO Max and you look at the roster of films that are being released on Disney+, Plus. By all accounts, these should have been massive blockbusters that everybody took their families to go out and see. And, uh, you know, in due to the current state of the world, all of that stuff has been put on hold. I, I agree with what Steve said, that everybody's just trying to use their intuition to fill their way through this. Nobody really has clear-cut answers. And so everybody's just kind of stuck sitting here. And I don't know if we can cut to clips, but I think Tom Cruise said it best. Just roll that real quick. All right. All right. Yeah. What a maniac. Uh, yeah. yeah. We're not going to, um, we're not going to roll that. All right. Fine. I, I feel like Tom Cruise's sentiment was, was in the right place. I feel like his delivery was completely out of line, but that's in regards to the mission impossible movie that has been in production for quite a while. He brought up how, the rest of the industry was kind of looking to them to kind of set an example and to see how things will work out moving forward. And I think that's kind of where everybody's at with uh, releasing Milan and charging the premium with HBO dropping all their films on HBO Max. Nobody knows if this is going to be fruitful and, and turn out well, but they really have very few options. So I try not to be super critical of the decisions that they're making. Um, one thing that I do think is positive about it is with nothing being an event, Everything can be an event, and we'll talk about favorites and stuff, but a thing like Queen's Gambit comes along and just kind of like blows everybody out of the water, and that's not the kind of thing that would have, if it were a film, that wouldn't have done great in the theater. So I do like that it's kind of leveling the playing field for smaller movies, and uh, I think that's a good thing. Yeah, I agree, I, but I find overall that I, I'm actually... I'm used to going to the theater just about every week and seeing at least a movie a week. And mm -hmm. I have not kept up that pace at all this year, even though it would have been possible for me to very easily at home to do that. Uh, but we've got to take our first break. We'll talk about this a lot more when we come back. You're listening to News Radio 92.3 and AM 1620. I'm at a Disney, Disney. They tricked me, tricked me. Had me wishing on a shooting star. But now I'm 20-something, I still know nothing about who I am or what I'm not. So call me a pessimist, but I don't believe in it. Finding a true love case is bullshit. Cause I felt sad love, I felt bad love. News Radio 92.3 and AM 1620. Welcome back to Let's Go Pensacola. I am your host, Julio Diaz. We are talking about wrapping up the year in pop culture with uh, with two of our favorite guests on the show here. Uh, we've got Jeremy Branch and Steve Wise on the line. Uh, and, uh, you know, I thought that was a, uh, a, a one of the songs, one of the new songs in 2020 that has jumped out at me the most this year. Uh, uh, that is uh, Salem Elise with Matt at Disney. And uh, I, I just felt like that was kind of an appropriate song for, for 2020 as well, because it's been an interesting year Disney-wise, because you've had all this great content either that has either come out or that has been announced for Disney plus. Uh, but you've had the things like no Marvel content the whole year, which is really weird after 10 years of uh, it coming like clockwork. You've had things like, uh, of course, on a more serious note, all the layoffs that they've had to do between the, uh, the, the mergers that they've done. And then, you know, the way COVID has affected the theme parks, which is of course a major part of uh of everything at Disney, but uh, you know, I wanted to I wanted to bring in on the bumper music this year, uh, just some of the music that I thought really stood out this year, and then uh, that was one. And, and interesting to me because 
the music that's standing out to me this year, and I know this is probably not the case for you guys because I don't think you guys are on uh, on TikTok. Uh, but I've no. discovered a lot of music through TikTok this year. You know, songs uh, songs kind of go viral on TikTok, and different people do dances to them, or they do lip syncs to them, or they do you know just use it as music in their videos. And uh, I've discovered a lot of music that way this year, and that was that was one of them. That was a, a big trendy song on TikTok for a little while there. Well, that's a nice silver lining to TikTok. If it has introduced you to lots of new music, then I need to get on board with that because, yeah, 2020 hasn't been a big music listening year for me, unfortunately. Yeah, I'm not saying that it's necessarily all been good music, but uh, but that sure. but that particular one was. And, you know, the other, the other one, I think, you know, we won't stick on music too long here because, I, and like I said, I know you guys haven't uh, necessarily had the same experience with it that I have, but I think everybody has heard about WAP this year. Uh, that that yeah. would be the one song that everybody has, if they haven't heard, they've at least heard of it. And uh, even though you know, it came out kind of late in the year, so I was just looking at the Billboard year-end charts yesterday, and uh, that was what I was most curious about was where that ended up on the chart. And I think it came out a little too late in the year to be in the in the top 10, so it ended up at number 25. Uh, but I thought oh, wow. for sure that uh, that would be uh, you know one of the top, because it's just been everywhere for the past four or five months and it's been so controversial and it's been all over the place. And that's another one that has been, you know, a big one on TikTok. You know, lots of people, there is a, there is a, a certain dance to that song uh, that a lot of people do. And then there's, you know, people parroting it and making fun of it. And, you know, you know, it's, it's a, it's a whole little uh, niche culture unto itself, I guess is the best way to put it. Uh, Unpopular opinion. I prefer the Ben Shapiro remix. Throwing that one out there. Uh, yeah, I, I don't think uh, Ben Shapiro, Ben Shapiro is like the desert of WAP. Let's put it that way. Uh, yeah. Well, the, the thing I can add regarding both Ben Shapiro and the song that we're referring to is that there are certain people in the media and in in our culture who have careers out of shock value and controversy and stirring things up. WAP is, is a good example of that as far as, hey, let's throw something out there that will stir things up. And, and it was effective. People talked about it. So It was. Um, and I, you know, yeah. I think the interesting issue there is not just the, the shock value of the song, which it certainly does have, but, mm-hmm. uh, but the, the female empowerment side of it. A lot of people took the, the song to heart because it, it kind of is about women owning their own sexuality and and mm-hmm. and that's uh you know that's important so i don't know if that's the best way to uh you know encourage that but i'm uh you know i'm just a i'm just a dude i don't really get i i shouldn't really have a say in that that should be up to the ladies so yeah, uh, but three, three guys here talking about. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I am. I am not the. Not, I, we're, we're probably not the experts in. Uh, yeah, I am. <laughs> I am not the guy the that's going to sit here and tell women how to empower themselves. That is entirely up to them, and more power to them. I'm. I'm all for it. Uh, but uh, but let's let's move on from that, uh, and you know, kind of get into some of the stuff that that we really enjoyed this year. Uh, we, we talked a little bit about how this has changed the way that we consume uh, pop culture. And for some of us, I think it has increased the amount of pop culture that we consume. For some of us, like myself, I think it may have actually decreased because it gets to that point where there's a million things I want to watch and I don't know what I want to watch. So I just end up watching YouTube clips of The Office 
uh, which has been a big thing for me lately, or, you know, you, you drift back to those comfort things that you know and are familiar with instead of, you know, watching the, the things, you know, you want to watch, like the new version of the stand just came out. I know I want to watch that. And I just haven't Same. been able to put myself in front of the TV and start it yet. Uh, have you guys, uh, Jeremy, you said you're running into that as well. Yeah, and it's an interesting thing because it, it seems counterintuitive. It seems like we would have more time to consume more content. And I echo, I kind of echo your experience. Uh, more times than not, I put on Mystery Science Theater 3000 on Pluto, and I just kind of chill with that on while I play on my mobile phone. Not, not the best as far as uh, consuming new content. But in, you and I have touched on it before. I'm sure, Stephen, you have talked about it. There's just so much content out there that it almost seems daunting sometimes it's like if i start this it's going to be at least a 12-hour commitment do i have that i don't know and then like what else am i doing so i guess i really do have the time but it has been an interesting year where if we were able to go out to the movies every week i can guarantee i'd have at least seen one new release every week just like you said however without that um kind of marker i suppose and when it doesn't become an event it's like i'll just get to it when i get to it and then oftentimes that that just never comes to fruition yeah see i feel like that's even happening to me with movies unless there's something that i'm super 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 hyped about or that it's just like the zeitgeist thing of the moment and i happen to catch wind of it at the same time that i actually have time to sit down in front of something uh, I'm not rushing to it. You know, we finally got Mulan on on regular Disney Plus, and I haven't watched it yet. Neither uh, have I. You know, uh, yeah, I haven't seen it either. There's a there's a lot of stuff like that, but uh, but at the same time, I I have made time for a few movies that were very much like, oh, this is the thing that everybody's talking about right now. Uh, <laughs> and, and in fact, I made time for one last night that just uh, just hit Netflix, uh, which is Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, which is the uh, the the last film that we got from uh, Chadwick Boseman, the the late actor who oh, of course hmm. most famous for playing uh, Black Panther, but uh, been in a number of great great films and uh, film stars him and Viola Davis, and it is a brilliant movie. Just uh, just a, a couple of amazing performances, and I really expect to uh, to hear their names at the Oscars this year. It's based on an August Wilson play. Of course, Viola Davis already has an Oscar for playing a character in a movie adaptation of an August Wilson play. So that's kind of interesting. Now, of course, being Fences, uh, but now that she's done this film. And this is a, a film about a real uh, real blues musician. Ma Rainey was a real person, uh, and she was uh, considered the mother of the blues, and she was uh, this uh, southern blues queen. And this film is about her and her band going north to record an album and everything that's going on, all the drama that's going on around that. And uh, just some amazing, amazing performances and goes places you don't think it's going to go. And uh, man, this is a, I think, first of all, I think you're going to see, I, I think uh, Chadwick Boseman is going to be a lock to win an Oscar on this, just from the sentiment, sentimentality of him being gone and everybody missing him so much, but the performance would be worthy anyway. Uh, well, so. you know, the Oscars are going to be interesting this year because of the lack of movies in theater. You know, we had that controversy, what, a year ago about whether Netflix movies qualify yes. for Oscars. Yeah. <laughs> and now it's like, yeah, because uh, very few movies have been actually been released in the theater. They're going to have to look at streaming services and alternate distribution platforms uh, to present the awards to. It may not last, but... 
really, once you open up that bottle, it's kind of hard to you know put the genie back in. Yeah, and so. once theaters have opened back up, they have gotten back into with these Netflix films in particular doing a doing the qualifying run thing that they've done. It's mm-hmm. been interesting because uh, given the the way distribution has changed, normally we never get those kind of films, those qualifying run films here in Pensacola. Right. Uh, but the uh, theaters in uh, in Gulf Breeze and uh, and Pace actually have picked up a lot of those films this year. They did run uh, Hillbilly Elegy and Midnight Sky and uh, a couple of the others, uh, but not this one, unfortunately, because it would be interesting to see this one on a big screen. Uh, and they didn't well, you do, know they didn't do Mank either, which I'm very much looking forward to. David uh, Fincher's new film, which is also yeah. uh, on Netflix. Well, you know, it's interesting looking at the list of movies that are playing in the theaters, and you don't see these huge tentpole movies for the most part. What you see is a lot of original stuff, original content, and old movies that have been re-released. Yep. Well, and... Uh, so it's, I'm sorry, go ahead. I was going to say, just, you know, for people that are complaining about, you know, Hollywood not having anything original that they're putting out for us, you know, if you want a chance for movie theaters, uh, this is the time to go and see original movies yeah i agree uh and uh it's funny because we didn't really get a whole lot early in the year that i think would have been something that people would have talked about oscar fair i mean we've heard a little bit about maybe uh the invisible man uh being a movie that was pretty well received and uh and maybe something for elizabeth moss but uh the the films that have been really in the discussion so far have been netflix it's been uh, Amazon, et cetera, et cetera, versus big, big theatrical release. The, you know, one of the other ones that I made time for that I think is one we're going to hear about at the end of the year is The Trial of the Chicago 7. Uh, okay, I've Aaron, heard that one. Yeah, Aaron Sorkin's yeah. film, which uh, again has a bunch of brilliant performances. And of course, Sorkin's such a brilliant screenwriter as well. Uh, I, I made time for that when it first came out. And, yeah, I, I saw that one. It's a great movie. Very, yeah. very enjoyable. Uh, and then, you know, another one that I think was kind of the zeitgeist film in the moment. It's been a big year for Sasha Baron Cohen. Uh, the other one, of course, is Borat subsequent movie film, uh, <laughs> which which I, I thought was actually much better than the first Borat. I was not the biggest fan of the first Borat. And uh, I thought it was really funny, but really had a lot to say. And the first film had a lot to say, too. But uh, this one was just especially relevant to the the, the moment in politics and the with the yeah. election going on and everything like that. Uh there's some kind of, you know, career year achievement award there for Sasha Baron Cohen between Borat and uh, The Trial of Chicago 7, which I knew he was in and forgot and didn't realize who he was until the end of the film. Mm. Uh. And uh, that's that's right now. He's right now my pick for probably best supporting actor, I guess I'd have to say, uh, since I think uh, Chadwick Boseman's going to going to be the best actor. Uh, if I, if I were, if I were running his, his campaign, I would put him in for best supporting actor. Uh, we've got to take another break guys. We'll be back with more in just a moment. You're listening to news radio 92.3 and AM 1620. I'm not your friend. Talking about. Get my pretty name out of your mouth. We are not the same with or without. 
News Radio 92.3 and AM 1620. Welcome back to Let's Go Pensacola. I am your host, Julio Diaz. We are wrapping up the year in pop culture with Jeremy Branch and Steve Wise. And uh, I don't think you can talk about 2020 in pop culture without mentioning that artist, Billie Eilish, who has been just everywhere. Well, everywhere except on tour on a stage. We were actually supposed to see her here in the in the Gulf Coast uh, at the Hangout Music Festival in May. She was going to be one of the headliners. And, of course, that had to be canceled because of COVID. But, uh, you know, winning, uh, sweeping all of the major Grammys, only the second artist in history, the first female and by far the youngest to win both Record of the Year, song, not both, it's a group award, of awards, it's not two awards, uh, but to win Record of the Year, Song of the Year, uh, Best New Artist, and Album of the Year in one year. It's, it's only been done once before and certainly not by somebody who is still in their teens. Uh, so, you know, just a, a career year for anybody, but for somebody who's just starting out and then of course, also did a Bond theme this year, even though the Bond yeah. movie has been moved to next year. The, the The song did come out towards the end of this year. Uh, so, you know, I, I know I said we wasn't going to talk too much more about music, but I, I don't think you can talk about this year without without talking about her and, and her brother, who is her producer, Phineas. Uh, who yeah, won I want to touch on her real quick. Yeah, I think ahead. she's one of the I think she's one of the best new musicians that's come around in the past 10 years. Uh the fact that she achieved mainstream success doing the type of music that she does, I just think kind of speaks to collectively that, that people might have a little bit better taste than I give them credit for because uh, <laughs> she's very, very good. And also, real quick, shout out to the new Strokes. It's been seven years since their last studio album, and Payne and Paula's 2020 album is also fantastic. Yeah, I mean, there's always plenty of great music out there. People, you know, People tend to get into this mode of, Oh, uh, well, there hasn't been any good music since, and, and inevitably for a lot of people, it's when they were in high school. Uh, yeah. And it's it's, yeah. it's easy yeah. to get stuck in that, but, you know, open your mind, look around a little bit. You're going to find that there's great music every year, and there's great music in every genre, too. You know, some people mm-hmm. get narrow-minded about, no, I, I, well, I like everything but country, or I like everything but, you know, I don't like hip-hop. You know, I, Broaden your mind. For the, shame. There's there's a lot out there. Uh, you know, and again, you know, maybe maybe you hop on TikTok and and find the songs that are popping up in the videos. And that, like I said, that's been a, a big driver for me this year. But, you know, you can always hop on YouTube. There's Spotify always has all kinds of recommendations. There's more new ways to discover music than ever before, yeah. even though we are we aren't getting it in the live setting. And I've always found that the you know the festivals are a great way to discover new music too. You know, there's mm. all, all kinds of bands. So that's the that's the thing that I miss about not having something like Hangout this year. But uh, but there's there's no excuse to not discover new music, and please pay for it because uh, nobody's making money on the road this year, and that's where artists make the bulk of their money anymore. So. Yeah. You know, buy well, buy an album, pay for your Spotify account, something like that. What's interesting about the with the pandemic with music is that a lot of musicians have been forced to try to come up with kind of like with the movie industry. <clears throat> they they turn to social media, they turn to other outlets to um, to do things like live uh, Zoom sessions. You know, where all the mm-hmm. band members are at their own house, but they they're linked together in Zoom and doing a you know playing a song for you or things like that, to where they're still constantly you know throwing out content and entertainment, 
but in different means than what has been done before. Well, let's shift gears a little bit. You know, we talked a little bit about some of the some of the the high quality films that we've seen this year that maybe we're going to hear about in the Oscar race. And of course, it's also worth mentioning that the Oscar eligibility period has been stretched for this year too. Uh, so I think they're going to allow films to qualify through the end of February, if I'm remembering correctly. Mm-hmm. And and then we're not going to see the actual Oscars until April. So that that in and of itself is interesting in that it has. Uh, unjammed what we would normally see this time of year with a lot of films rushing out to get, uh, to get their qualifying runs in uh, to, right. we would normally see a lot of artsy and independent fare this time of year. And we're seeing some of it, especially on Netflix and, uh, and some of these other services, you know, I mentioned Ma Rainey's black bottom just came out uh, midnight sky. George Clooney's new film is getting ready to come out on Netflix uh, Mank, uh, David Fincher's new film has has just come out recently, and uh, we're we're seeing a, you know a number of things like that. Uh, but I, I wanted to give you each a chance to maybe pick out a film or two that that resonated with you this year that wasn't necessarily awards fair or anything like that. Although you know you know who knows what we'll end up seeing. But uh, we'll start with Steve on this. Was there a film or or two that you really uh, cottoned to this year? Well, you know, honestly, um, I've been watching more. We kind of like getting back to the, the discussion we had earlier. As far as I haven't really been watching a whole lot. Um, I've been watching streaming. You know, I've been watching um, shows. Um, the Trial of the Chicago Seven was a fa- fantastic film. Um, you know, we've already discussed that. That's probably one of the few original films that I've actually gone out of my way to watch this year. And I think the performances and the writing uh, were phenomenal in that film. Yeah, I, I can't agree with you more on that. I, just across the board, great performances. And, uh, and you know, I've, I've seen some people kind of snark about it a little bit. And, yeah, I, I get that Sorkin has a very definite style. And it, it's kind of easy to pick out that style. But I don't care. I love it. <laughs> you know, I, lo- I loved The West Wing and, uh, you know, I'm, I'm perfectly fine with him doing movies that are in that same kind of mood. Uh, Jerry, well, and a lot of the dialogue came directly from the transcripts from the trial. Too. Right. Right. Absolutely. Uh, Jeremy, did you have a, a movie or two that you were particularly riding high on this year? So, uh, first of all, you mentioned Invisible Man. I think that one is incredibly well done and, and one that I, I'm pretty sure people have gotten hit to because there were so few movies that came out. Um, around that same time, The Hunt came out, and I understand that was a divisive movie, but I really enjoyed it. I thought kind of similar to South Park in its satire. It wasn't afraid to take aim at, at everybody, and I, I can appreciate that. I, I really enjoyed uh, The Hunt. And then on a kind of more, uh, I guess, niche market, I really enjoyed Host. Did you guys see the Zoom horror movie Host? No, no. It's really cool. It's available on Shutter, and they did it during quarantine. So uh, talk about trying to find creative approaches to telling stories. This is all done via Zoom conversation, and it's, it's really interesting. It runs just under an hour and a half, and it's tightly wound. It keeps it suspenseful throughout. So I definitely recommend checking out the host. I think that that one was one that is timely, relevant, and a, actually a kind of new spin on the found footage genre, which I think is great. Oh, interesting. I'll have to check that out. Now, I, I, I want to go back for a second because you mentioned The Hunt. And uh, that, that was a movie that actually got pulled from release and then ended up coming out like in the first few weeks of the pandemic. 
uh, kind of like an under the radar. Okay, we're we're going to go ahead and get it out there now while nobody's paying attention. Yeah. Uh, um, but you know, to me, the thing that that turned me off of the idea of seeing that movie was not the politics of it all, because I could see that that seemed to be you know satirical at the very least. I just felt like it was going to be yet another retread of the most dangerous game. Well, yeah, that's fair. That 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 part is fair, but it's definitely the the biting satire. And what's so fascinating about that, just to touch on it very, very quickly, is that the people who were the most up in arms about it, they were actually represented as what you would consider the protagonists and the heroes of the group. So it just shows that without context, people rush to all sorts of decisions without even knowing that clearly the people getting hunted aren't going to be the bad guys. That doesn't even make sense. You know what I mean? Wait, you're saying that people rush to judgment and jump to conclusions without seeing things? And without, no, without, yeah. and without they, knowing, they do. without knowing what they're talking about, and <laughs> do they allow these people on the internet? No, no. Okay, good, good, because that would just be a mess. If you know, if those people were on the internet, then uh, man, society as a whole would just start to crumble. I think. It's a fair point. Oh boy, <laughs> what a world! Uh, well, so I've got one that I that I want to mention. I don't know if you guys have seen this film. I think Jeremy, I may have mentioned this to you, and you may have mentioned that you saw it. But uh, it's a film that was released on Hulu called Palm Springs. And, you know, the title is oh, yeah. the title is uh, is kind of nondescript, but it is a very interesting mix of science fiction and romantic comedy uh, starring. It's Andy, a fun movie. Yeah. Starring Andy Samberg, uh, Kristen Milioti, who you may know as the mother on How, How I Met Your Mother. Uh, and uh, J.K. Simmons is kind of the, the third, not really lead, but he's like the main supporting character. Uh, and it is, uh, it's basically Groundhog Day at a wedding, uh, except uh, at one point more people get pulled into the loop, and mm-hmm. and 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 then what happens as a result of that? Uh, and it's uh, it's just a really charming film. the uh, The science fiction of it all is handled well, but the uh, the relationships and the comedy are also handled really well. It's not like over the top goofy, uh, which you know I. I some people might feel like Andy Samberg can be sometimes, and I think that's probably not unfair. Uh, but in this film, he's mostly pretty restrained, and uh, I just I really love the film. I think it really stands up. It's worth your time. It's you know it's it's kind of breezy. It's not hugely long, but uh, if you've got Hulu, make sure you check it out. Uh, I think it's worth. Well, seeing and, it. and the thing about a movie like that too is, yeah, it's revisiting a. I don't know if genre is the right word, but a, uh, like a movie trope that that we've seen repeatedly. You know, obviously Groundhog Day was was the first, but we've seen it in other movies as well. And so it's easy to just kind of dismiss it as, oh yeah, okay, it's just another ripoff type of thing. But the way that they used that trope was very clever and very entertaining. Well, yeah, obviously I I couldn't agree more. Uh, we've got to take another break, guys. We will be back in just a moment with more. You're listening to News Radio 923 and AM 1620.
Radio 92.3 and AM 1620. Welcome back to Let's Go Pensacola. I am your host, Julio Diaz. We are wrapping up the year in pop culture with Steve Wise and Jeremy Branch. And uh, you got to love when your favorite, one of your favorite bands puts out new music during the pandemic. That is the Foo Fighters with their newest single, Shame, Shame. I got to see that debut on Saturday Night Live. And Dave Grawl is uh, somebody who has definitely made good use of the the pandemic time in terms of providing interesting content uh, and for the most part, free content on social media. You know, he had a a running drum battle with a a little girl, a little girl drummer who, uh, in his words, kicked his butt. (laughs) That that was uh, was entertaining people throughout most of the summer. And then this month he's been doing uh, this interesting set of he he teamed up with a, a keyboardist. Uh, during Hanukkah, and for all eight crazy nights of Hanukkah, they did a different cover song by a Jewish musician every day. A lot of artists did things like that where they, you know, kind of rose to the moment and, and put stuff out there for people to enjoy and just kind of have fun and experiment and do things uh, they wouldn't have necessarily otherwise done. I think another thing worth mentioning, uh, I know, Steve, I know you were a fan of uh, Josh Gad's uh, internet series that he did over the over the year uh called uh yeah what was it called uh reunited together or something reunited reunited apart that's it reunited (laughs) apart yeah so which which he actually he actually pointed out that people keep saying it's called reunited together that's actually reunited apart (laughs) yeah well of course you know the 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 gig being that he's reuniting casts of uh some of our favorite movies over the year but he's doing it over zoom so they're they're not in the same place uh, because of obvious reasons, uh, but you know he's done some really good ones over the over the summer. He did uh, the Goonies, he did Ferris Bueller's Day Off, he did Back to the Future, uh, and Wayne's he, World. Yeah, he just did Wayne's World. I haven't had a chance to watch mm-hmm. that one yet, but uh, looking looking forward yeah. to seeing that. Uh, yeah, the latest is the Karate Kid. Oh, is the Karate Kid? Uh, see, that seems like you're kind of defeating the point. There's already a series with those guys. Well, they actually did a uh, like a sneak preview little video that was like a minute long. And it made that exact joke. It's like, uh, why are we doing this? Because we already are reuniting. Yeah, I'm going to see you at work next week. (laughs) (laughs) That's interesting. That's interesting. Well, you know, and that gives us an opportunity. You know, we've kind of danced around the subject throughout the entire show. But uh, streaming shows is really where where energy has been this year. And Cobra Kai has been one that people have been talking about a lot. Uh, It started out on YouTube for two seasons, and now it's making the jump to Netflix. And I think a lot of people discovered it when the first two series jumped to Netflix. And then yeah. uh, and then now we're going to get a season three coming up early next year. Uh, have either of you watched this yet? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay, so I'm the I'm the odd man out here. So, so Jeremy, give me the rundown here. All right. So uh, our protagonist this time around is Johnny Lawrence. Basically, what we've done is kind of inverted the perspectives. So instead of Johnny being the bully that, that uh, did what he did to Daniel, it's this new kid came into town, beat me up in front of people, stole my girl, and now I'm a, kind of a slubby middle-aged man trying to cling on to his high school glory, while uh, Daniel has grown to be a very successful car dealer and has billboards all over town. So essentially the conflict is set up that uh, Johnny decides he's going to reopen the Cobra Kai studio uh, Daniel catches wind of this, so he starts his own Miyagi-Do, and then there's this kind of rivalry between these two different factions of kids, and 
I'm a fan of Karate Kid. Uh, you know, I grew up on it. It's, it's a wonderful movie. But this show, Cobra Kai, has elevated the material, elevated the performances, added layers to the characters that <clears throat> you just didn't previously think of. It all it all tracks so well within the film's logic or within the series' logic. And it uh, it's funny. It's definitely poignant and, and touching at certain moments. Uh, the kids are all great in it. And while I said that Johnny's kind of the protagonist of the story, what I think is interesting is all of the, the shades of gray that they view each and every one of the characters with. This isn't a story about the good guys versus the bad guys at all, but whether the way that we all have kind of conflict within ourselves. So, uh, yeah, all that said to say, it kicks butt. It's, it's super fun. It sounds like somebody yeah, took, love- uh, took a running joke from How I Met Your Mother seriously. That was a, that was a running joke on How I Met Your Mother that, that uh, Johnny was the real hero of the Karate Kid, that he was right. the Karate Kid, and that Daniel... Was Daniel San was the bad guy that came along with an illegal kick and and uh, and defeated him and and then they brought both Ralph Macchio and William Zabka to the series and, and William Zabka actually recurred on the series as as Barney's he became a good friend of Barney's and recurred as a version of himself on the series throughout the last uh, season and a half or so so it's interesting to see that somebody's taken that to the next step yeah I had no idea. Well, and the show did a really great job, like like Jeremy was saying, of presenting the characters as far as being flawed. Every single one of them has flaws, and but they also have good sides. And even you know, they brought Crease back at one point, and they showed a side of him that allowed you to be sympathetic toward him. Yes, and and understand why he's so villainous. And you know, so in some of the characters that you think are going to be bad turn good and some that are start off really good kind of embrace the dark side <laughs> you know? and it's a, it's a fun fun show and of course the you know the fantasy of there's these high school kids that immediately learn all these great you know karate moves just within you know a matter of weeks uh it's still you know you, you can buy into it because the way that the show you know presents itself so, but it's it, great cast of characters, great acting, sometimes cheesy writing, but it's still very fun. Well, it seems to go back to the, the old maximum that everyone, maxim, not maximum, uh, <laughs> that, uh, that everyone is the hero of their own story. Like nobody ever right. sees themselves as the villain. <clears throat> so, right. uh, so it's interesting because I don't think I've seen a lot of series that, or, or films or anything that have, have really taken that perspective into into mind your actors talk about it when they're they're playing the villain and they're playing and they tell no i'm the hero of the story and you know absolutely but, but you you don't really see that played out you you're usually such a point of view that that uh, you don't see those kinds of shades of gray in a lot of things so that's interesting speaking of shades of gray i, I think that uh we cannot let the end of the show go by without uh addressing at least in the nerd world, the the streaming series of the year and uh, the the topic that nobody has shut up about for at least the last two weeks, and, and sure, uh, and that being the Mandalorian, uh, and it is a series that does deal in shades of gray and and uh, playing both sides of the the law and everybody being the hero of their own story, and, and it's interesting because uh, I've I've been hearing a lot of people and, and in particular Kevin Smith talking about how. They've gone some way to humanize members of the empire, which is yeah. very, very interesting. You know, they you know had the the bit with uh, the guy telling you know I served on the Death Star and you know the, these terrorists came and killed th- thousands of people. 
Yeah, I guess Wait, from their so perspective. So basically they took a robot chicken bit and ran with it. Well, yeah, or, you know, I mean, that that was like something that was addressed in Clerks, too, for that matter. But not, not in a serious yeah. way in the way that this has. But, uh, you know, just over and above everything, and I don't want to get into spoilers on the most recent episode, although if you've spent five seconds online, you probably already know yeah. what happened. Too late. Uh, yeah, yeah uh, but uh, just some of the amazing things that you don't expect them to go to that they go to. It really has been everything a Star Wars fan could want. And while there are still Star, Star Wars quote-unquote fans that will find something to complain about, stop. <laughs> don't, don't, don't be that guy. <laughs> and I hear you clearing your throat, Jeremy. Are you about to be that guy? No. I mean, I, I do have uh, con- curiosities about where things are headed. That said, I think that what we've seen so far is, is fantastic. I don't know if I'm in the minority or if other people feel the same way, but I feel like season two was just consistently great. Uh, The second episode might have not been my favorite of the lot, but I really, really like the show. Um, One thing that I appreciate about it, which isn't always the way that I am because I like shows that, that trust the audience and, and kind of put a little bit of a, you know, kind of put a little bit of learning about it in the hands of the, the viewer. But, Mandalorian's great because you can be a casual viewer and still have a great experience. And if you want to dive deeper into the lore and, and kind of see where all of the dots connect, there's, there's that for the diehard fans as well. So I think they've struck a really good balance. And it's really refreshing right now in a world where all TV series are completely serialized. You can't know what's going on in episode five unless you've seen one through four. I feel that The Mandalorian is almost like you could take each individual episode and still have a fairly firm grasp on on what's going on with the series. So I think, you know, Favreau and his team did a great job with that. Yeah, we got a surprise uh, Best uh, Drama Series nomination for the first season uh, as far as the Emmys go. So uh, do you think uh, Baby has a chance to win for, for season two, Steve? I don't think so. Um, it would be really surprising if a show like this uh, wins uh, anything other than technical awards, uh, because generally speaking, when you're looking at Oscars or Emmys, uh, they they go with traditional dramas uh, more times than not, and it just really has to be a phenomenon like Lord of the Rings for it for the um, Academy to take notice. And other than just a nomination, you know, awesome. they, they throw out nominations because eh, okay, yeah, we kind of have to, but as far as wins go. Yeah, it would be um, a long shot. Although I will say we're coming off of several years of Game of Thrones winning best uh, best drama series in a row. So I could see True. where maybe they wanted to take a, a year off of doing it, anything uh, uh, speculative. But, uh, you know, I don't know, man. This has been the, the series of the year in a lot of people's opinion. We are out of time. I want to thank you so much for wrapping up the year with me. We will be back in 2021. Our next show will be in January. So we will see you next year. Hope you have a happy new year. Until then, you're listening to Let's Go Pensacola on News Radio 92.3 and AM 1620.